1: Welcome to Cash Considerations, the Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Iron Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Pat. Jason, we're talking about the Bulls after a 108-103 loss to the L.A. Clippers. Jason, this whole Bulls season has been full of stupid games and stupid losses. And dare I say, this was one of the dumbest Bulls games of the year. The Bulls were up by 19 at one point in the first half after a tremendous start powered by Nikola Vucevic. Within five minutes of game time, after they went up 19 points, five minutes of game time, 10 minutes of real time, uh, the lead was gone. And for the rest of the night, the Bulls did everything they could to ensure that they would lose this game. What we saw, Jason, was perhaps the worst game DeMar DeRozan has ever played in the NBA. Certainly the worst one he's ever played in Chicago. DeMar finishes with 20 points, five assists, but the real stat is eight turnovers. You, th- When you think of DeMar, you think of his ability to take care of the ball and make the right decisions. He just could not do that at all tonight. It seemed like his head wasn't in the game. Uh, just stupid turnover after stupid turnover. Not to be outdone, Zach Levine had his own miscues throughout the night. He finished with six turnovers, many of them inexcusable. Levine also bricked consecutive free throws after drawing a three-shot foul with the opportunity to put the Bulls up late. Uh, And, of course, the game couldn't be over until the Bulls completely screwed up a sideline out of bounds. When Alex Caruso threw the ball right in between Demar Derozan and Zach Levine, where Kawhi Leonard was able to poke it free, Clippers secured the ball and won the game. Uh, Jason, this game was so dumb; it drove me sort of insane, and I can't even really be <laughs> mad about it because I just thought it was hilarious. Like, yeah, I mean, to find a way to one up themselves in terms of how awful they were playing. Uh, The Clippers shot 39% from the field, 27% from three. The Bulls, meanwhile, shot 50% from the field and 50% from three and lost. I don't even know how that's mathematically possible. Actually, I do because the Bulls turned the ball over. They didn't take enough threes. The Clippers shot 20 more threes than the Bulls did. So they hit the same number of threes, even though the Bulls shot 50% and the Clippers shot 27%. Uh, and I think this game... Ricky I, got a,
2: Ricky, I got a stat for you here. Okay. I got a stat for you here. Just came across my Twitter, Justin Russo, at FlyByNight. On this exact thing you're very talking about. Clippers took 44 to threes. They made, what, 12? Bulls went 12 to 24. Teams were 1-27 one one in all-time prior to tonight when they shot under 30% on threes with at least 40 attempts while their opponent shot 50% on threes. Obviously, that's some crazy, uh, whatever, arbitrary stuff there. But still, that had been 1-27 in uh, in those 28 games where well, that's happened. And the Bulls, now it's now 2-27 with the Clippers beating the Bulls. Because, yeah, as you mentioned, dumb, weird, stupid, bad is just like the perfect way to put this entire game. Um, everyone, We were all feeling ourselves in the first half there when they went up 19. Oh, here, here go the Bulls playing up to a... Quality opponent. I know the Clippers' record isn't good this year, but they've been playing much better lately. Uh, and they had basically their full team out there tonight. So like that's the Clippers as a full healthy team are a good team. And Bulls beat their ass for a quarter and a half. And then of course, uh, as you said, they I think the Clippers won on a twenty-three to four run in the second quarter to tie the game. Bulls take the lead into the, in the halftime, but then and then the, the second half was mostly competitive. But then the Clippers tried to give it away again. I mean, the Clippers sucked tonight. They were awful. We talked about the shooting numbers, but like Reggie Jackson is out here, like fucking dribbling around like an idiot, putting up ridiculous jumpers in crunch time. Uh, I mean, Paul George did not shoot well. Luke Kennard was 0 of 5 on like open three and wide open threes i mean jackson was one of nine nick batum two of nine on threes missed multiple wide open threes in crunch time uh they had some bad turnovers in crunch time as well paul george had five turnovers they only had eight for the game but the clippers were terrible the clippers were begging the bulls to win that game for them and the bulls just gave it right back with all the turnovers you mentioned with demar so uncharacteristic with the eight just kept driving into the teeth of the clippers defense which we know the clippers defense is very aggressive uh They're very good, but like maybe just like stop doing that, just stop driving and losing the ball. And there was that one really bad play where DeMar just like spun and just fell down. He was looking for a foul. He was, I think like IO and Kobe both had to like go over there and be like, DeMar, shut up so you don't get a technical here. Zach misses those two free throws when he had the three to tie the game. I mean, that play, Zach takes a boneheaded three pointer and Norman Powell, luckily. Foul them. And then Zach misses two free throws. Uh, And then you get the last turnover at the the last ATO. Clippers totally shut it down with their five man switching lineup. And then Zach just loses the ball. Kawhi Leonard knocks it away. I mean, it's a perfect way to end this game uh, with with how that happened. Uh, It's the second time in what, three or four games now where the Bulls couldn't get the ball inbounds, that Pacers game. Multiple times they failed to get the ball inbounds. It's just so much dumb stuff. In a game where the Clippers played like ass, the Clippers ass After the Clippers went up eight there in the fourth, it seemed like they were going to pull away. But then they they fell apart. They were doing jack shit, and the Bulls had all these opportunities to get back in the game. And they just couldn't do it. They're 23-27. and 27. We're 50 games in now. We're going into February. We got, what is it, three or four games left until the deadline. I think it's four. Even if they somehow win all four, which they probably won't, it won't be above 500 at the deadline. I mean, yeah, hope that it's that the front office is going to realize that in this, they need to do something with this roster. I mean, again, just we know that we've talked about the three point shooting. The fact that they shot 50%, but then they matched the Clippers was uh, the a Clippers team that shot 27% because the Clippers shot 20 more. I mean, ridiculous. It's just been an issue with this roster all season. Um, they don't shoot enough threes. It's been been crazy so uh yeah we did lose ricky here i, I don't know where he went I, I know he said his phone was dying maybe he went to go change it but we'll for we'll keep this going around here kevin please take this away from me before i keep ranting more <laughs> ricky's back here we go but kevin we'll turn it over to you now to get your thoughts on this dumb ass bulls loss
3: <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to turn over a new leaf i'm generally mr negative and i, I yell a lot um about this stupid fucking team. Uh, So I'm going to start with the good uh, from tonight. Um, I thought Pat was great tonight. I thought he (laughs) seemed to really, um, you know, I think Pat has mentioned that he is a big fan of Kawhi Leonard um, and like, you know, all the nonsense about comparing him to Kawhi, I think was, is unfair to him. And also just like silly. He's not going to be Kawhi Leonard um, probably. Uh, but, um, he seems to actually like, like that challenge of, uh, playing against him. And, uh, I thought he was great. Um, he made one of the best passes, uh, I've ever seen him throw probably the best pass I've ever seen him throw, uh, a skip pass across the entire court. He had a really sick dunk. He was, uh, playing well. On defense, you know, switching between guarding Paul George and uh, Kawhi, um, I thought just overall Pat was uh, really, really good um, all game. Having said that, uh, most of the the I, I would say that the two biggest problems, maybe three three big problems, I'll, I'll say. Uh, number one was Demar. This was the worst game Demar has played as a bull, in my opinion. I don't really think it's close. He's credited with eight turnovers, but I think he had ten. And one of them, they counted as a block shot, and the other one they counted as a miss shot when he spun and fell down uh, and fling the ball at the hoop, uh, and it really just went directly to the the Clippers. I mean, that's effectively a turnover. He had basically ten turnovers, um, and you know, was ball hogging late. Uh, he clearly was like out of rhythm. The Clippers were had him out of his you know off his game, and he had multiple times where he came down and shot quickly with without really trying to work offense or really do much of anything Um, when they were still within striking distance, like within uh, you know, one or two possessions Um, he just, he was horrible. He he was absolutely terrible. Um, And he was whining for a call when he literally just did a spin move and fell down. And he like almost got a technical for how long and uh, relentless he was about whining about it. Um, Zach was, also, not good tonight. Um, People—they kept talking about how he was like on the verge of having a triple double, and he did not have a triple double. He also had six turnovers, uh, missed those crucial free throws, like you mentioned, uh, Jason, and just was—you uh, know—not playing smart basketball. He's just a really, still a really bad decision maker. Um, and then Billy, I thought was horrible tonight. Uh, the. The way that the, that the Clippers first started uh, to chip into that 19-point lead that the Bulls got basically entirely based on shooting variants uh, early in the game and because they hadn't really started turning the ball over as much uh, was basically Billy putting Derek Jones Jr. in at the five um, and uh, having that be the lineup that he went with against uh, – um, Zubac and Zubach just murdered Derek Jones Jr. Cause Derek Jones Jr. Weighs like 180 pounds and is six five. Um, and so that was like what got them going and got them backed so that they could come back. And then later in the, in the fourth quarter, he finally figured out that when he sat Vooch, he needed to put uh, Andre Drummond on the floor. Uh, But he put Andre Drummond, Caruso, um, and
2: Jones was out there too, right?
3: Derek Jones and uh, there was another non-shooter. Oh, Damar and Co- and Kobe. That was the lineup. Like, DeMar- they had one good shooter on the on the entire floor and everybody else was a non-shooter and Damar. And like obviously it didn't fucking work because that lineup is fucking stupid. And then Billy draws up an ATO uh, at the end of the game when they still have a chance to tie the game that takes too long to develop. And um, apparently they didn't even run the right uh set because the guys didn't know what the play call was and ran to uh the wrong spots. So they turned it over and blew their chance at tying the game. Just like a top to bottom like shitty game. Like I want everybody gone basically. I thought Vooch was pretty good tonight too. Um he had like 11 points in the first quarter getting... and then they just were like, "Yeah, fuck Vooch. We're not giving him the ball anymore." Um which they they love to do. They love to get him going and then not give him the ball anymore. Um and but like honestly blow it up build around pat um you know i've always been the pat skeptic but like he's actually trending in the right direction he's been much better i would say over the last like month and a half than he has been previously in his career he's still young all these other guys i'm fucking sick of them just get rid of them uh like and billy fire billy billy is a bad coach like He's like the standard for coaching in the NBA is just continue to go up, and Billy has not improved, and he so he's bad now. Um, You know, he's just not not very good. Bad lineup decisions, bad atos consistently. uh, Doesn't get buy-in from his star players. Like, what is he bringing, really? Um, Yeah, get them all out of here. Get them out of town.
2: Yeah, before we go to stuff here, uh, I do want to to your point about the Drummond Jones thing, which was, I mean, I was like, I was putting on my tinfoil head. It's like is because there was that rumor about Drummond being on the trade. market. Mark Stein mentioned that like, oh, don't be surprised if Drummond is traded, and like he's barely been playing lately. And, and I don't even I'm not even a Dr- Andre Drummond guy. I did not love the signing. Um, I was like I'm whatever with him. You know he you know he's like a roller coaster, but like this matchup specifically is like just begging for Andre Drummond to at least be out there for Zubas. This is the matchup
3: like, you sign Andre Drummond for, like
2: yeah. And so, to your point, look, looking at this, the box score here, Derek Jones played 16 minutes today, zero points, one rebound, it was offensive, one block, one turnover, one foul, minus 16 in those 16 minutes. So, like, obviously, single game plus minus can be funky, but, like, this is a game where, like, it does probably, tell the story totally, of what happened. Yeah, it was perfect. <laughs> yeah. Like, he was minus 16, the dragage minutes were a disaster, like... Drummond like again. He Drummond played four minutes, and he had like he had five rebounds. He had that little stretch there. We had those he had those offensive rebounds. Uh, he split his free throws. He made the first two, missed the second. But he was at least making some stuff happen, uh, being big. And then Billy went away from it. I don't know if did Zubac even play in the fourth. I feel like he didn't play that much uh, because they did go. He, he, we, we know the Clippers like going small, but
3: he was playing at the start of uh, Drummond's uh, only stint. I don't know if he stayed okay, in for yeah, the whole thing.
2: Yeah. But either way, I mean, just the minus 16, Derrick Jones Jr., minus 16 in 16 minutes, he literally did nothing. Like, Derek Jones Jr., we, we like him in, like, a vacuum, and he's done an admirable job playing the backup five, and sometimes the matchups do call for playing those small lineups, so I don't mind it, but, like, tonight was definitely a one. We're just like, it's clearly not working. Why are you doing it? Why are you throw, continuing it? And yeah, and then the lineup, when you do bring Drummond in, and, and you still have Jones playing the four, and you have all these, I mean, part of that is obviously the roster just stinks in terms of the construction and shooting, but, like, yeah, that's just bad stuff. Vooch is a plus-12 today. Vooch had 23-14-4, plus-12 in 39 minutes. Uh it's still I mean, still, still lose in. that game. I mean, that's brutal. That's terrible. It's minus-17 and Vooch is in, the, in the nine minutes Vooch is off the court. It's brutal. It's terrible. <laughs> the Bulls have whatever. The Bulls have four centers on their team, and like Billy doesn't like playing three of them. They're playing a 6-5 skinny dude as their backup five. Uh, just a total indictment of the roster. Maybe it's an indictment of Billy as well. Maybe Drummond yeah. will be traded. I don't yeah, care I mean, if they trade him. The Sixers, maybe they will go back to the Sixers. The Sixers are looking to upgrade on Montrezl Harrell. Maybe they'll bring him back. But very weird stuff tonight with that and just uh, very frustrating.
3: Quickly about Derek Jones. I don't want to like sound like I'm being critical of him. Like it, I, It's not his fault. It's like, a
2: bad matchup. He...
3: he like he can play small wall five in a pinch against certain lineups, but like against if you could Zubach, that's like yeah. that's stupid, that's setting him up to fail. And like basically, as soon as I saw that Billy had that matchup out there, I was like, What is he doing? Put Drummond in, this doesn't make any sense.
2: Yeah, it was very, it was very weird. Steph, give us your thoughts on this game, this dumb Bulls team, whatever you got. Let's hear
4: it. <laughs> Uh, Well, you guys did a pretty good job of covering most of the stuff. I don't think I tuned in late, so I don't think you mentioned anything about Caruso. I thought he was another really bright spot. Um, He was second and plus minus behind Vucevic, uh, plus five. A total Alex Caruso stat line here, 10 points, three assists, two rebounds, two steals, two blocks. So just chipping in everywhere. Uh, I thought his defense on Kawhi was awesome. And uh, it made me kind of sad because, like uh, I was telling you guys in this group chat we have, I want to see Caruso in the finals. You know, I want to see him in the conference finals Ding these guys up because he just shuts down every superstar that he goes up against. And obviously that's not going to happen with the Bulls. And the other thing that I wanted to hit on, um, another topic that me and Kevin were discussing throughout the week was uh, you know, the problems with the Bulls' offense. They've actually been – a really good half-court offense. Uh, They were number seven in the league coming into this game. The problems with this year's team versus last year's team is just that they're not turning other teams over enough. Uh, Obviously, you know, because of Lonzo missing Lonzo is such a huge component. And that was kind of the case in this game too. Uh, If you look at the turnover battle, um, they only turned the Clippers over eight times and they turned it over 20 times. And, Yeah, that's basically the difference in the game. I mean, both teams shot about the same, uh, had the same offensive rating in the half court, but then you just add up the transition baskets, and, you know, that was the five-point margin of victory there for the Clippers. Um, Yeah, those were my notes from the game that uh, you guys hadn't hit on yet.
2: We can always count on you to give us some good Caruso stuff, and, yeah, I mean, he was good. The last inbound play wasn't really his fault. Uh, he had a great – after that – Zach Levine's like one really great defensive play he had, Uh, that block on Kawhi. Caruso finished that with a sick layup, pointed out some of the – just the good defense he played over. I mean, Paul George did barely, barely, basically nothing. He did have seven assists, kind of flirted with the triple-double with five turnovers, 16 points on 16 shots. Even Kawhi. Like, Kawhi did have 33. Like, he had a really nice game overall. overall but, like, it's not like he was getting his points easily. Uh, He had some – Caruso did do a great job. And like you said, I mean, let's – we can use this to kind of just talk transition into talking about – uh, the trade deadline stuff coming up here with whatever nine days we have left here as we move into February, the February ninth trade deadline. And like Caruso is clearly a guy who could help so many teams. Um, even like Caruso's three-point shooting this year, he doesn't take enough of them, but like, I think he's shooting over 40% from three this year. He, he, I think after tonight, he's gonna be like 39 or 40. Like he's been shooting pretty well from three. His defense, we know how good he is. I know some of his other offense has been really bad this year, but we know he's, he's a team that can play, whatever, 16-game player. He can go all out for 20 minutes off the bench uh, and be a, maybe a missing piece on a team. Uh, but, like, there's all these rumors that are out there that the Bulls are just, like, they're asking for a shit ton. And, like, obviously, they, they should want good value back from them. They're asking for a lot that, like, I I can't remember who reported that was, like, you know, some, this might've been Matt Moore. That's like the teams are like scared away because the bulls are just asking for so much and they don't want to get into a bidding war. Obviously there's a lot of noise around this time and there's a lot of whatever negotiating through the media and all this kind of, and all that kind of stuff. But like, uh, like I, it would be, it would be heartbreaking to see Crusoe go because he's been awesome defensively. It was obviously bullshit what happened last year with him and Grayson and Allen. Like I know he's going to be frustrating offensively, but like, I mean, he is their top like plus minus guy, and it's not a surprise given just how effective he is defensively. So, like, uh, where are we at on Crusoe trades? And we, I know we've kind of talked on this before, but like, you think you're in a situation where the Bulls got to trade and they got to get some pick value back? Uh, would you like to see him hold on, Ricky? Let's start with you on this one.
1: Yeah, I mean, I have been saying that I would love for the bulls to get two first round picks for Caruso, just because the bulls don't have any upside in this roster construction. There's two ways to get upside on the team. It's either to get first round draft picks and to nail those or to get a prospect. Another team is willing to give up and hopefully you can develop that player, which let's be honest, the bulls can basically never do that over the last 10, 15 years uh, and get a good player that way. So You know, there's not that many first-round picks available for the Bulls. The one I've been looking at that has been whispered about a little bit is the Knicks owning their own first-rounder, owning Dallas's first-rounder this year. They could be two picks in the 20s for Caruso. To me, I would seriously consider that. But I was reading the latest column by Will Gottlieb at CHGO, and he said something to the effect of, like, Caruso is, you know, really – just as much a part of this core is Zach and DeMar. If you trade Caruso and don't trade Zach and DeMar, like what's, what's the point of doing that? Like the team is just going to suck without Caruso. Uh, in a lot of these metrics, Caruso grades out as basically the best defensive player in the league. And he is phenomenal. He's like basically a superhero when he's out there. A team that would trade for him today would get three playoff runs with him because he's under contract for two more years after this year. I believe he's making, like, what, $9 million a year, something in that ballpark. The dude is just providing a tremendous amount of surplus value. He's also kind of quietly shooting 40% from three this year. So I don't think the Bulls should just give him away for no reason. If they could get two first-rounders for him, to me that would be a pretty good deal. Uh, If you could get, let's say, a young player like perhaps Moses Moody in a first-round pick from the Warriors, I would think about that. And honestly the winner of that trade would almost certainly be the team acquiring Caruso because the dude is just absolutely phenomenal uh, and he just has such an such a large impact on the game uh but the Bulls have no upside with him on the roster he's 29 years old uh he's you know still sort of a liability offensively for the most most of this year he's been in the top 5 in the entire league in turnover right Uh, He's obviously been really sloppy with the ball this year. His shot has been falling more, as I said, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I would think about trading Caruso, but also like if someone didn't want the bulls to trade Caruso, I would hear an argument for that too. Uh, He's just going to have the widest market of anyone on the team. And this should be a seller's market because there's a lot of teams who can easily talk themselves into having a pretty good chance. To go on a deep playoff run this year, you look around the league and there's really no dominant team. A guy like Alex Caruso can legitimately win you a close playoff series. So uh, I would like to see the Bulls do that because my last thing on this is like, okay, so the Bulls went on this three-game winning streak uh, not too long ago. They had wins over, let me find it, Oh, they had wins over Brooklyn, Philly, and Utah. At that point, they were 19 and 21 and they were starting a stretch of winnable games. I tweeted, next ten games, Bulls gotta go seven and three. They were playing Boston, the Wizards, the Thunder, the Warriors, the Pistons, the Hawks, the Pacers, the Hornets, the Magic. And tonight against the Clippers. I said, seven and three, Bulls, if you're a serious team. Well, that stretch is over, and the Bulls went four and six. The Bulls are not a serious team. They are a bad team. (laughs) They would only have a chance to make the playoffs because of the play-in tournament, and because the Eastern Conference is completely pathetic. As I refresh the standings right now, the it's always the West. Teams, give these, a yeah, The break. last two teams in the Eastern Conference play-in picture right now are the Wizards and the Pacers. Like, what are you even doing, Bulls? This is like not <laughs> not anything worth being proud about. If you make the play-in tournament, uh, it's a pathetic team. So I'm curious what Kevin and Steph think approaching the trade deadline. In terms of a Caruso trade, like, I would gladly just blow it up at this point. Like, who cares? We've just seen this too many times from the Bulls, right? To still be invested in this team. Uh, Does it make any sense to trade Caruso and keep Zach and DeMar? Like, probably not. (laughs) So why not just trade everyone? But of course, we don't think the Bulls are going to do that. Uh, Where are you guys at with this team and just like with what you think they could realistically do, I guess,
0: heading into the. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
5: If you could take this, uh, yeah. sure.
3: Um, so for me, I would definitely look at trading pretty much everyone. Uh, I would keep Pat. Uh, he, like I said at the outset, he's like the only player that I feel like is trending in the right direction and actually has upside. Um, Caruso, I mean, honestly, for Caruso's sake, I would I would trade him because like he's going to spend like the last years of his athletic prime toiling away on this on this bullshit team that like can't get it together with a bunch of like dumbass players that don't know what they're doing like uh like he deserves to go play like with other guys that like are high field players that that know how to win um and that's not this team so send him somewhere good i mean if you could get moses moody in a first round pick from the warriors sure fine uh if you could uh if you could get you know uh a um uh quickly from the Knicks in a first round pick, I would do that. Like I really like IQ. He's a, he's a good player. Um, And the fact that the Knicks were thinking about moving him for a first round pick.
2: So would they actually do that? I feel like that's like a no brainer. They were, they were talking about moving him for,
3: for a first. So if you just consider him, uh, consider Caruso worth two picks uh, trade, you know, and I mean, quickly is on an expiring contract. So like, his value is probably a little bit limited, but like if the Bulls value him and want to bring him in, um, I mean, I would value him. I, I think he's a pretty good defensive player, not obviously on the level of Caruso, but he's also, you know, really young. Um, not like really young, but he's young, uh, and he, you know, has some uh, bucket getting ability uh, at times, and so that's a like a nice combination that you don't find very often. Um, so yeah, I mean, I would I would definitely consider. Uh, moving him to kind of any team that's willing to give up like a, a young player and in a first round pick um you know uh, people have talked about bones highland cuz he's being rumored as being uh, available the nuggets uh kind of are out of the bone bones highland uh uh-huh. game i guess they they want to move on from him um i'm not like i'm not as big of a bones guy as i used to be um just because i feel like he his decision-making is really suspect and he's like probably never going to be even remotely a good defender. Um, So I would probably prefer quickly. Uh, (laughs) Not probably. I would definitely prefer quickly. Um, But yeah, I would, I would move on from, from Caruso as far as like the other guys on the team. um, I think this team stinks and I think that they need to, you know, uh, to move on from this core. So like trade Vooch for whatever you can get for him. If you, if there's any value out there, if not just let his contract expire and move on. Um, you know, I don't know what the value is for Vooch out there just because lots of teams have centers. And like, I think Vooch has actually been quite good this year, but uh, teams don't really value center and he's on an expiring contract. So I, I really don't know what the, you know, what's out there for him. Uh, Demar, I would, I would move Demar. Um, you know, I, I, he he's kind of in the Caruso vote for me. I'm I'm very mad at him right now because he played like a horrible game and basically cost him the game. Um, but you know that was his worst game as a bull, and he's been overall very good for them. Um, but like, what's the point of you know uh, 33 or however many years old Demar is? Uh, what's the point of him on a team that isn't going anywhere? Send him somewhere where he can try to win something. Um. I don't know what where that is or what value you get back. I don't want to send him to the Lakers because I don't want their picks because they're too far out. Um, I would prefer to send him somewhere where there is uh, pick value or or younger players coming back that uh, are more immediate because I don't want to sit around and wait uh, for this team to rebuild itself for you know the next five years. Um, but yeah, I mean, and Zach Zach is the only one I might wait until the offseason to pull the trigger on just because, uh, like, the Mavericks, they get access to their 2024 and 2026 pick um, after the draft, uh, whereas, like, if they traded right now, they would have to wait. They would have to – the picks they sent back would have to be 2025 and 2027 because of the Stepien rule. Um, so that's – and the Mavericks are one of the only teams I could really see being – super interested in Zach uh it's like them maybe the Knicks uh mm-hmm. yeah but again the Lakers I don't I don't value what they maybe have to the offer Lakers. so I wouldn't send him there um right
2: yeah right now definitely not
3: definitely um not. so yeah I mean that's that's kind of where I'm at I would trade everybody and I would fire Billy I don't care that they just gave him an extension I uh <laughs> secret extension <laughs> yeah it, I just he's not good enough um and he doesn't devel- develop young guys and he's not interested in a rebuild so um you know maybe they trade those guys and that causes Billy to quit because that's what happened the last time when a team decided that they wanted to go into a rebuilding direction he he said no thank you um and uh, maybe we can get him to to quit and bail out of his extension so that Jerry doesn't have to
2: pay him <laughs> Yeah, the issue definitely, I think, with, like, the big name, whatever, Zach and DeMar, it's like, I just don't know if you're getting the value for, like, what... I mean, whatever you think of Zach, like, obviously he has his problems. Like, when he is going good, he is very good, brain farts aside. And so it's like, but yeah, you talk about like the Mavs. Like, the Mavs seem like an obvious team, considering they're just kind of dilling around 500. They need, like, 50 fucking points from Luka to beat the Pistons, barely. Uh, they Just have a bunch of guys who are just, like, kind of whatever. But, like, again, yeah, if they can't... I don't just don't know if they can offer. It makes sense here. When we look at some of these trades and, like... Some of this is just some of these trades recently just, like, destroying the market and just, like, totally just blowing everything up there. So, it's, like... If the Bulls go out and, like, trade Zach and DeMar for jack shit, it just, like, looks horrible. Like, even if, like, it would be nice to get some assets there. So, it's, like... Is anyone really giving up a lot for those guys, like, right now? Probably not. And, like, with... Zach, you obviously have time because he has a lot of time left in his contract. The DeMar situation, it's like, I mean, next year he'll be expiring after this offseason. So it's like, do you just trade all the vets? You keep Zach? Zach, Zach's already been a part of a tanking team, and then he'll probably just, like, so it's not like if you're trying to tank the rest of the year, like, it's not like he's going to hurt that. And then he'd probably just ask out after the season, anyways. And then maybe you trade him in the offseason, like you said, Kev. So it's like, you probably could get ahead. I'm like, if you really wanted to do it, they probably could, if they could get maybe decent value, they should get good value for a not as sure about Demar. There have been like no rumors about that food. got to get something for him. And then Zach, you just, whatever he plays out the year. And if they do trade everybody, I'm sure Zach would just, whatever, kind of mope through, through the rest of the season. And then ask out, like I said, and then you trade him in the off season. Uh, you could get maybe, I mean, like I said, I don't think that they're too, they're not bad enough yet where they're like really going to tank tank, I think, but, uh, like I guess you could certainly I'd certainly be fine with it like they got to do something here like I don't think they're going to do that they're still with the play in tournament they're still I think just like whatever close enough where they don't want to do that um, whether that means they're going to trade nobody like obviously there's absolutely no excuse for doing nothing this trade deadline they've already sat out they set out last offseason they sat out last last trade deadline they sit out again it's ridiculous you're basically just like not doing your job at all uh, so they got to do something whether the side probably got to start getting some pick value back Steph uh, I know we, we were on the pod we talked about this a week or two ago and we were talking about how we just have like no idea what's going on with this team and uh just has your thoughts changed at all about the direction that they should go in at, in these last whatever week or two since we talked last on the pod
4: I, re- I remember uh that was after the Bulls were doing kind of well and you asked me like yeah what's going to happen I was like I've No idea (laughs) that turned out to be totally correct. Um, yeah, you talk about trading uh, Damar and Zach, and you know, I think in an ideal world, that would be great, you know, to trade Caruso, Zach, and Damar. But the problem with that is that, um, Damar and Zach make a ton of money, so if you're going to do a trade involving them, you're gonna have to take back a player that sucks, that makes a lot of money and draft picks and the teams out there that can have those kinds of offers just don't have a lot of draft equity right now. Like that's why the Lakers trade won't work. And that's why trading a guy like Caruso is just way, way easier because he doesn't make that much money. So you can trade him for a player like Moses Moody, like James Wiseman, these guys on rookie deals that don't make that much. So You know, while I think it would be great to trade Zach and DeMar, the offers just aren't out there right now. And that's, I think, why a lot of people think that the Bulls might move those guys, but it's going to be at the end of the season. Because once the season ends, there are going to be teams with cap space. And what that means is that you don't need to match salaries in a trade. These teams can just absorb Zach and DeMar straight into their cap, or there's going to be more draft picks out there to trade because a lot of these picks can't be traded due to pick protections. This is probably like too esoteric, but just uh, there's more picks available for the Bulls to get if they wait until the offseason. So I think that's why those two big guys aren't going to get moved.
1: I got a question here. Uh, You know, last time Jerry Reinsdorf hired a front office with the Bulls, John Paxson held his job for what, like 18 years, 19 years? Do you think there's any way Karnaschovas could get fired here? Like, if they give up two top ten picks for Vooch, if they have to immediately pivot and sell off DeRozan and Zach, like, I don't think ownership's going to like that at all. Uh, But holding on to those guys and having these really expensive contracts on the books when the team can't even make the play-in over the Wizards and the Pacers is, like, even more pathetic. So I'm wondering, like, do you think there's any chance there can be a hot seat for Karnaschovas and Everson?
2: I'll start here real quick. Uh, I would guess no. I would guess the Lonzo situation kind of buys them some time. Although, like, you could then argue, like, uh, we love the Lonzo signing when it happened, and he was awesome. But, like, you do have to wonder... Like, what did the Pelicans know about his knee? Like, did the Bulls not do enough due diligence on his medicals? Uh, because there was a kind of Lonzo update here today uh, from our guy Joe Colley, apparently went on the score and said that there's, there's still pain, they still have no idea what's going on, that Lonzo's seen, like, five or six doctors for opinions, and just, like, no one has any idea what's going on, which now, again, you start thinking, like, is this dude ever going to play again? Uh, but, like, I... I Back to just like the the question though, Ricky. Like I do think like the Lonzo thing blowing up on them probably would save them. Just was all oh, well, you know, like it was just bad luck. Uh and we'll give them a chance to pivot out of this and like give them a chance to rebuild and see where it happens, goes from there. And then obviously if they just like stink for the next few years. Uh and if there's like no hope and no promise, then maybe th- there's the hot seat. But uh it's so hard to say with this ownership group because they suck. Uh I I'm, I I would love to know what Jerry thinks about his two hundred fifteen dollars max investment right now. Uh, we know they're not going to pay the luxury tax, of course. And there's, I mean, at this point, like, there's, I mean, they weren't going to do it anyways. But there's certainly no reason to do it now from their point of view. So, like, I would say no hot seat uh, because the Lions' situation is just so fucked up. But again, that could be on them too if they just didn't realize how bad his his knees were.
1: Yeah, and in terms of the evaluation of Carneshevich and Eversley, I do think you know. You couldn't have really seen the Lonzo thing coming, despite his long injury history. Yeah. So you can give them some benefit of the doubt for that, but what's really going to be a key piece in evaluating them is how they spin out of this, map. because this is garbage right now. Right. Uh, like Steph talked about, there's not a lot of easy outs for this team. So let's see what these guys can do. I mean, they got creative in building this team. They were able to add. Caruso, Lonzo, DeRozan while over the cap, which is something, you know, historically the Bulls front office would have never been plugged in enough to pull off. So let's see if they got some other cards up their sleeves here. But I think that you can no longer look at this team and think Lonzo is going to save them. You can no longer look at Lonzo and expect him to be the same player for the start of next season anymore, probably, right? Just realistically, like, the guy still seems like he's having trouble walking upstairs. And it's been 13 months since his injury. So you can't just say, like, Lonzo will come back next year and he'll save the team. Like, the team has way deeper problems than that. And Lonzo's not going to be the same physically, it sure seems like. So they got to do something. And to keep this thing together, to sit out the trade deadline, uh, it would just be delusional. You know, completely delusional at least get something for Vooch if you're not going to bring him back. And if you do intend to trade Zach and DeMar in the off season, then like you're not bringing Vooch back. Like the writing's on the wall for this iteration of the team already. So uh, whatever we think of our terrorists, like at this point right now, the ultimate evaluation of him, like, is he a halfway decent executive is going to depend on what the Bulls do from here.
4: Ricky, I just got a hit on your question, uh, real quick. On if AK is on the hot seat at all? I mean, I think we've already forgotten how how much sheer incompetence <laughs> is not a means of getting fired by this franchise. I mean, uh, John Paxson choked a coach and then acted upset that the coach didn't apologize to him, and he still made it one another another two uh, rebuilds. Um, I mean, yeah, there's no way that AK is going to be on the hot seat. It's it's a lot of work to hire a new GM. And uh, every single time across sports for the White Sox and the Bulls that the Ryan Stars have made some sort of change in management, they've already had a guy picked out. I mean, they are very, very deliberate with their hires. And, I mean, I just think that they have at least another couple years of even if they totally screw up, this next rebuild i mean that's what it's going to take uh before they try to make a change
3: they're super deliberate but they're they just hire people that suck at their job consistently I, I think i think i'm ready to say it that ak is bad i mean that food trade was bad at the time i talked myself into it uh but everybody that was an objective observer was like what the hell are they doing?" Um, and it only got worse uh, as they've been bad and, and not even had the the good success that would keep those picks from being high ones and he didn't properly protect them uh, top eight protection uh, and then top four protection is a joke um or it wasn't to, it wasn't top eight they were both top
2: four I Farns
3: think was yeah I mean that's, that's was just eight. Not, yeah that's that's just not good enough um yeah you know, they, like, you, you have to better protect your picks when you're trading for a guy that is, was a fringe all-star at his peak and you're trading for him past peak. Like, that, that doesn't make any sense. And so that was a terrible deal, bad process. They gave up an extra first for DeMar that's only top eight protected uh, when they didn't have to. Like, the, the Spurs weren't bringing DeMar back. And they weren't going to, like, blow up the deal to, and screw DeMar over because they weren't getting you know, a first round pick or like, even if it was just like, no, this has to be lottery protected. Like we're not just trading you another first round pick. Or even if they just made it like a swap, a pick swap that was like lottery protected, not like a full first round pick. That's only top eight protected. Terrible process again. Um And then like, I know that we like want to forgive them for the Lonzo thing, but Lonzo was like a very injured player. He He's always been a very injured player. Like this level of like disaster was not really it's not really fair for them to be on the hook for, but like, also, I don't know, you, you built your team with, uh, uh, with Lonzo being an absolutely essential component of it, knowing that he, it was a very often injured guy, um, even in his like youngest days when he presumably should be the healthiest.
2: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've kind of railed about this earlier, but aside from even all that, the Vooch trade, you could call it the original sin of whatever this core and all that. And, uh, like I said, I was excited about it at the time just because they were doing something. But I mean, clearly they gave up too much. I remember Ricky specifically saying he thought they gave up too much at the time. Even if like you like the swing, the pick stuff, protection stuff, as you mentioned, Kev, absolutely clearly true. Uh the top four was just not enough even if that whatever the first one top four you still lose franz but, like the fact that this one is also top four is like that just makes like the tanking thing harder because like if if it was like whatever lotto protected this year or whatever whatever it was like then you would, uh, wouldn't feel i feel like you wouldn't feel as bad but like the fact that it's only top four and like if they whatever it's kind of fell apart this year and then ended up six or seven and you still like lose it like that'd be fucking brutal so like that's tough, and then as I've hammered before, the, the, just the rest of the roster and the construction is terrible. We talk about the lack of shooting. I mentioned that they have four centers on the team, that and one of them plays. Why is Tony Bradley still here? Why is Marco on a guaranteed contract? Why are you not tr- like trying anything else on the end? And obviously, it comes back to the main core guys. Some of that stuff, but I think like it just like speaks to the the whole process when you're sitting out deadlines, you're sitting out free agency. And part of that's probably ownership too and then you just like you're not doing anything with this team when you clearly have these issues and you have guys that you can't even play um and then like our first round pick like i don't i mean obviously dalen Terry's very young we knew he was raw but uh like he can't even see the court either i don't know what's happening there like i said uh, dalen seems like a good good dude good vibes guy but like I would sure would love to see him play a little, maybe get a chance of I think other guys are having bad games. It's just like, I was looking at, I mean, he's played like 50 some minutes this season for like a team that's allegedly trying to win now. And like, he, again, you don't so you can't always draft that way, but like the guy can't see the court at all. Uh, basically Johnny Davis, I think is like the only other first rounder who like is below him. And apparently that was just a terrible pick by the wizards. But uh Obviously he's young too, but like there's just like so many things like on the margins lately as well. Besides the big stuff, which obviously is blowing up in their face, the margins are also have not been great. Like IO is a nice pick in the second round. Pat is coming along, so that's at least good. But like stuff on the back half of the roster, bad. The pit the trading stuff, a lot of the negotiation stuff there has been pretty bad. Uh so yeah, like I said, I do think they'll get a chance to pivot out of this and a few years after that to see if they do go into a rebuild to see if they actually can build something from scratch, assuming if if that is the way they go. I'm still not even convinced that is the way they go, uh, just because of ownership and maybe them not wanting to rebuild again and then being fine trying to just be competitive. But if they do, I think they will get some time to try at least.
1: And right now, Jason, the Bulls are 23-27. and They have the seventh worst record in the NBA. You look at the standings, you got – at the bottom of the standings, the tankathon standings, you got the Rockets, the Pistons, the Spurs, and the Hornets. Those are the bottom four locked in. Those bottom three teams all have a 52% chance of a top four pick. Then it falls off to 48% for the Hornets, anyways. So that bottom four is locked in. Then it's Orlando. They're sort of locked in at five, even though they're playing better lately. They got 20 wins. But then that sixth spot is wide open. Right now, it's Toronto who has as many wins as the Bulls, but two more losses. The difference between a, the six and the seven, in terms of like your chance at the top four, is 37.2% versus 31.9%. So the Bulls could easily get to the six best chances to hit the lottery lock. Uh, I never thought this was a very good idea uh, for them to basically try to maximize their chances at a pick they already traded. But at this point, it's like, why the fuck not? Like, it's they have a clear opportunity here to maximize their pick odds if they want to trade off pieces. And then even if they don't do that, this is the type of team that deserves some luck in the lottery because they did try to win. Like, it would have been easy for them to, you know, trade Zach Levine and to try to build through the draft. But instead, like, they traded future picks – and they tried to build a good team for the fans. That's what has tried to do. Even if they weren't ever going to win the title, he thought, you know what, this fan base has watched too much garbage. Let's at least build a solid playoff team. And uh, I think if the NBA ever were to rig the lottery, what they would really want to do is deter open tanking. And the Bulls have not tanked. The Bulls are simply just very bad. So it's the only thing that could save the Bulls for the rest of the 2020s is to get some luck in the lottery and to recoup one of those picks they foolishly traded away before. So uh, it's the only thing that's going to save them, and maybe it'll happen. And if they get a top-two pick in this draft, they're going to get a franchise-changing superstar. If they get the third or the fourth pick, they're going to get a really nice young player. And whether the Bulls decide to maximize their odds in the lottery or not, it sure seems like you know they're still going to have a pretty decent chance because of the flattened odds at hitting in the top four. And uh, I don't know. I, I I don't know what good luck charms the Bulls have with them or that the fans have with them, but it's the only thing that's really going to save them at this point.
2: Yeah. I do take issue with calling the Bulls very bad. I think they're very dumb and stupid. They are yeah. very mid. I like to call them the most mid team, one of the most mid teams in the NBA. That, Ricky, I think you tweeted before this game that, about how they're like, I think their point differential before this game was like minus one or plus one. Or minus, one. Like that.
1: minus one. Minus one. Yeah, year. so now
2: they're what, minus six? Uh, and they're 23 and 27. They're just very mid, and they find ways to lose games in the dumbest fashion. They're very mid. They're very dumb and very stupid. I would not call them very bad. I'll call them also very annoying, but uh, and and speaking of very annoying, I mean look, these upcoming games here, they're probably gonna do the thing that annoys us most, which like they, they play the Hornets, Blazers, Spurs coming up here, and then at Memphis before the deadline, they'll probably come out here and win, go like three and one, and like whatever, maybe even win that Memphis game for no fucking reason, and be like, oh, well, here are the Bulls, maybe they're making a run here. The trade deadline now, like they don't need to do anything, like they just keep it r- riding it out. That's that's the most annoying and like predictable thing that would happen maybe they'll actually surprise us and that won't happen maybe they'll just be maybe they'll just lose some of these more terrible games against i mean the hornets they just lost to, but like if you lose to the hornets again at home i know they have healthier the, the healthier hornets are a little better portland at home like portland's kind of asked too but they do have dame jeremy grant's pretty good the spurs are legit tanking tanking like if you lose that game you're a complete joke but like you just have like never know with this team right now, and they're probably just gonna do the dumbest thing possible, and that's like go on a little stretch stretch here in these four games where it's like, oh, they're gonna be all right, just keep it together. But I don't know, Kev, okay, you got any last thoughts here? We can probably wrap it up.
3: Um, yeah, I mean, just they, they, they got to do something. They can't if they do nothing at the at the deadline. I just. I'm sure I'll keep watching the team because I'm a glutton for punishment, but like, I don't know. I'll be thinking pretty hard about, you know, shutting it down after the, after the uh, trade deadline uh, with, as far as my interest goes, if they don't do something and even if they, you know, blow it up and trade everybody, like I, I still might, you know, just be less interested in watching, but at least they'll have a direction and I'll have some hope for, you know, next year or, you know two years from now right the way they're heading right now is just like this team has no upside and there's no future like they don't have they're have no second round picks like as far as the eye can see and they're one they're already out you know their picks for the next uh three drafts or two out of the next three drafts um unless they tank in 2025, which is like, okay, so that's on the horizon. And that's like, that would be the good thing. So I don't know. It just, um, they got to do, they got to do something. I think they need a change of direction. I think trading Caruso uh, at a minimum and getting, you know, some pick equity. Um, But I would really think about, uh, you know, trading Caruso now, and trading Demar and Zach in the offseason is probably what I would do.
1: My final thoughts.
2: Ricky, final
1: thoughts. The Bulls are a dumb team who do not deserve the dedicated (laughs) fan base that they have, and I'm pretty pessimistic that they will ever build a sustainable winner again. (laughs) They're just... They're just bad, Jason, and I'm feeling like Kevin right now after that game. I'm feeling like doom and gloom, and I'm feeling like there are better things to do with my time. So let's wrap this one up.
2: Meanwhile, I was gonna say, meanwhile, the other Chicago basketball team falling apart as well. Maybe there'll be two blow ups. I I made a joke that the the one basketball Chicago basketball team that will be blowing it up is not the Bulls. Maybe the Bulls will, but uh the Sky lost Candace Parker and Courtney Vander Luton last week, so they're pretty they're blowing it up and they're fucked too. So just a great night for Chicago basketball all around. Uh pretty we'll wallow in misery with all this just brutal stuff. So That will do it for us here uh, at Cash Considerations, H. Guy Bulls Podcast. Thanks everybody for listening as always. Uh, Again, we got the trade deadline in about a week and a half. Me and Ricky will be back with another pod probably sometime next week to preview the deadline. We'll see. I need some more, I need some better slop. The, The slop, this. This slop season has been terrible. We need some. Bu- we need some good bull slop. We need the Raptors to get off their ass and start doing some stuff as well. Give me some trade slop and some real trades as we move into trade deadline week coming up here, because it's been just the same dumb, lame crap over and over again uh, with John Collins and some of the, and like Jay Crowder. Enough of that. Give me some real stuff here. Give me some real slop, and we'll see what happens. And we'll see if the Bulls join in on any of this as well. So again. This, has this is been Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. This pod will be up on our feed later tonight at some point. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We will talk to you guys next time.
0: This is last year's Bulls. It's not last year's Bulls.
6: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium?